When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pineapple Pizza Podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors, weird, but it works. Today's special is Cryptids of Halloween, but kind of not. I'm your hostess, M. Chantress, and with me are the spectacularly spooky Ashlise and Elvira. Ooh. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> ah, woo, I guess. I don't know. Well, what was before we dig into tonight's specials, I want to make a few quick announcements. First, we have created multiple playlist menus on Spotify and CastBox, so if all you want to enjoy are Bites of Mythology or you're particularly fond of our Guest Chef specials, you can go straight to those menus and get exactly what you desire. So they're mm. handy dandy. We also recently designed our own website where you can find details on specific regional specials, links to our merch site, and various ways to support the show. And we have started to include links to the website as well as uh, Podchaser and Apple Podcasts in our show notes. So hopefully that will make it a little easier to navigate to those sites if you'd like to leave us a review, which always helps our show grow. So please go out, leave us a review, tell your friends all about us. All right, well, who's hungry? Me, me, me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm famished. Let's eat. (laughs) When we think of creatures of Halloween, we often think of beings such as vampires, zombies, ghosts, and werewolves, but none of these are specifically tied to Halloween. So I was surprised to find during my research for Halloween cryptids that there are really very few such creatures. So I had decided to take a different approach. Originally, I had thought that I would look for like um, creatures that were tied with harvest, but that's also particularly hard. There are a few of them out there, but they're pretty much all in German and I don't read German. So <laughs> that was not the route I was going. Was ist das? <laughs> and also I accidentally stole one. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Because I really liked what I ended up with. So uh, I ended up seeking out creatures from regions around the world that are truly terrifying because it is spooky season after all. So I kind of went with just really scary cryptids. So I hope you enjoy. Some of them are a little... No, they're all a little twisted. This will be fun. Uh oh. <laughs> twisted like the Invunche? Because I was if just so, gonna say. I would like to not do this. <laughs> That's tough to say. I, I... <laughs> oh, since oh, so you have to think about it. Alright, I know what we're in for now. Okay. <laughs> Well, this is going to be horrible. I'm going to drink more sugar. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Woo. I'm going to (laughs) die. 
we begin our whirlwind culinary tour in ancient Arabic folklore with a creature we commonly know as the ghoul. Ooh. Ooh. Damn it, you're so good at that. <laughs> this creature predates the rise of Islam throughout Arabic-speaking countries and potentially may have been inspired by the Mesopotamian monster known, known as Galu. Hmm which was an Akkadian demon of the underworld. So Ahmad al-Rawi hypothesized in his article The Mythical Ghoul in Arabic Culture that since the regions where Galu was popular were close to Arab deserts, it's probable that Arab Bedouins, which are nomadic tribes if you're not really familiar with the term, would have heard of the demon and may have incorporated it into their belief systems. Early writings describe the creature as a hairy, canine-like shape-shifting jinn or genie or devils and were considered to essentially be children of Satan. So it was like the early version of Satan and this was their baby. So delightful. Nice. These creatures often disguised themselves as women because, you know, throughout history, we're the evil ones, right? Yep. Uh-huh. We're, 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 the, we're always the hairy devils. Tricky little bastards we are. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that history books were written by men either. That's no. just, nope, that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> so they often disguised themselves as women, and they were known to stalk travelers in the desert, trying to trick them so that the ghoul could kill and eat them. They might do this by lighting fires at night so the travelers lose their sense of direction. So the traveler kind of goes off towards the fire and then gets lost. So they're kind of like moths. <laughs> Ooh, pretty light. I'ma go toward it. <laughs> In these earliest depiction, the creature had eyes that were upright, which grosses me out. I don't like that at all. Ooh. Okay, apparently River hates it too. Um, <laughs> which is weird because I don't know how she could have even heard it, but she hates it. She's right there with me. <laughs> So instead of being like our eyes, it was like our eyes, but tilted vertically. It was kind of like goat eyes. Do goat eyes do that? No, but I mean like with the pupils, how how their pupils have like the long thing. From what I was understanding from the description, it's basically the shape of our eyes, except instead of horizontal, they're vertical. I don't like that at all. So take the whole eye and twist it 90 degrees. I, I hate it. I know. It was really gross to read about. I was not a fan. <laughs> mm, nope. So they have those lovely eyeballs, those peepers, jeepers, creepers. Where'd you get those creepy ass peepers? Satan. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Daddy gave them to me. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley's face is like shit. No. <laughs> People say I look just like him. <laughs> Um, well, not only did they get Daddy's creepy eyes, they also got his hoof-like feet. Ooh. And then they had a mouth that was shaped like that of a cat. So that kind of, I don't know, that cleft. And they could turn their heads all the way around. I hate it. I don't want it. I want you to take it back. <laughs> return it. Return it to the store. I'll take store credit. I don't want it. <laughs> 
Later, once Islam became the prominent belief system of the region, the idea of ghouls became somewhat confusing. They were said to hurt or frighten humans and spoil food, especially dates, but they would also tell you how to rid yourselves of them, which to me seems really counterproductive. They're like, oh yeah, you don't like me, so just, I don't know, maybe say a prayer because I really hate God. You could also kill them with a... <laughs> I forgot where we were at in this story. With a vacant expression. Oh. <laughs> Stare at them blankly and see what happens. <laughs> Whoops. Okay, so we were talking about how you can get rid of them by saying a prayer to God. Mm-hmm. But you can kill them with a single blow from a sword. But the dying ghoul might try to convince you to strike it again. Because if you hit it more than once, the ghoul will remain alive and become harder to kill. So, just like Columbus says in Zombieland, one and done, I always say. Mm. So, they're kind of like zombies, where you want to kind of go for the head and yeah, then leave it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if you hit it twice, then I think it's supposed to take a thousand blows to kill it after that. So... Your arms are definitely going to be tired from that. No. <laughs> I can do it all day. It's fine. <laughs> okay, Cap. <laughs> You're so fucking creepy. I hate your eyes. Just die. I'll just be screaming obscenities the whole time. It's fine. <laughs> In medieval beliefs, ghouls were thought to also inhabit a certain island. Some believed the the islands were inhabited by she-devils with long fangs and bright eyes, while others believed them to have black... Some Okay, so they thought these islands had black naked people who spoke an unknown language. So let's step back and take a look at that. This is during the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. when you're traveling to a distant land that you may not be familiar with between uh, the uh, the Arabian Peninsula and potentially Northern Africa. So pretty likely that they were just running into tribes on islands out in the Indian Ocean. Mm-hmm. But that's what they were thinking uh, that where these ghouls lived was on these islands. And our good old friend, Sir Richard Burton, do you guys remember him? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's the one who translated Bikram and the Batala so artfully, mm-hmm. you know, and so very truthfully, of course. He also translated a story about Sindabad, whom Westerners would also know as Sinbad, mm-hmm. but apparently that's not the way you actually say his name, in which he and his crew became shipwrecked and they washed up on an island populated by naked savage people who were ruled by King Ghoul. Okay. Sindabad's shipmates were fattened up with coconut oil, then roasted and served to the king. Sindabad only managed to escape this fate by refusing to eat the food that he was given. I feel like we've heard this story growing up about, you know, do you eat the watermelon or do you eat the grape and why? Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear that? No. I have no, no. idea what you're talking no. about, but I just don't eat food. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if it's weird food at all, I'm not going to fucking eat it. So what I'm hearing is I'd be fine. <laughs> just, like, they fatten them up with coconut oil. I'm just, first of I all, I picture how? them spoons full of coconut oil, just shoving it down their throat. Yeah. No how thanks. do you eat that? Mm-mm. Wouldn't do it. 
It was also Burton that spoke of the belief that ghouls could possess humans, much like Western cultures believe demons can. If a person was believed possessed by a ghoul, they would isolate that person for four days. But if after four days the person didn't seem to be cured, others would pour a mixture of ash and boiling water over them to expel the ghoul. Okay, that's only a little different than what I was thinking, which was they would just club them to death. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Ashley's like, what would I do in this situation? <laughs> what? That's not worse than boiling water. If anything, it's about the same. <laughs> I would say they're pretty equally terrible. Yeah. Yep. They both sound awful. Yeah. So. Another Western writer, Antoine Galland, translated the Thousand and One Nights to French during the 18th century. In doing so, he too took liberties with his translation, much as Burton later would. What? <laughs> Big surprise, right? I'm sh- <laughs> sure Europeaners were always really truthful about foreign people, right? We just ethnocentrically changed their story. We would never do that. We fucking always would do that. Because <laughs> we always know better. We sure do. And we're civilized. And the ones that we're translating are definitely not. We're super civilized. It's not like we ever burnt people at the stake because we thought they were witches. What? (laughs) (laughs) So Galand. Galand's translation in... uh, It's the first known mention of ghouls as grave robbers, which is why we commonly think of them as kind of like these almost demonic creatures and as grave robbers. It's pretty common in the Western belief. So there is some speculation that he may have gotten this idea of ghouls as grave robbers from the close association Arabs at the time made between hyenas and ghouls. Much like the Kurkata in India, the hyenas were thought to lure people away. They were also thought to dig up the dead. So these similarities in some instances of hyenas being called ghouls may have contributed to Galan's statement associating them with grave robbing. Okay. So this just kind of got picked up and then we ran with it because that's what we do though they certainly inspired fear ancient ghouls had nothing on the modern version ghouls are now generally considered to be largely nocturnal bipedal pale-skinned cannibalistic humanoids or demons that make their homes in tunnels caves tombs etc primarily because they prefer secluded locations they like to hang out by themselves Uh uh-oh word I sound a lot like a ghoul except for the cannibalism. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. That we know of. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Ashley, do you have a secret? No, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's purely a research interest. I've never eaten (laughs) any human flesh. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, yeah, I think Lindsay recently had a discussion on her show about the, the difficult situations that arise from that. Yep. We know it's your sister's favorite topic. Oh, she loves it. Yum, yum, long pig. <laughs> Plus, I hate spam, so I wouldn't like it anyway. So, facts. If you don't like pork, you probably won't like people. <laughs> <laughs> because of their usually cramped living quarters, they tend to be stooped. And this part really grosses me out. They are known to scramble or crawl on all fours. 
though they are bipedal and they can walk upright, they will crawl across the ground at you to attack you. I don't like it. In Western societies, ghouls are generally uh, hairless with skin that might be rubbery, while in Middle Eastern cultures, they are often quite hairy. Which oh, okay. I get a little bit confused about how they see these beautiful women in the desert, but they're super hairy and they're like, yeah. Hey, different but standards of beauty. That's true. That is very true. Some You're places right. actually do like body hair. Mm-hmm. I don't know off the top of my head which regions, but I know that there are groups of their group populations is the word I'm looking for in the world that do actually value body hair. I guess I don't picture this. Hello, kitty cat. It's a cat. He heard hair. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, I got lots of that everywhere. Look how pretty I am. (laughs) Ha ha. Well, that's kind of what I picture. I don't picture like, I guess I don't picture just normal body hair. I picture this being a full on furry person. Sexy Sasquatch. Yep. (laughs) It's It's like an extra from cats. Oh, no. Oh, no. It makes me think of the old um, Bugs Bunny cartoons when Bugs would stick his leg out and then he'd like pull his fur up to show some skin. (laughs) (laughs) Bugs Bunny making cross-dressing okay at a very early stage in American society. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're hairy to over there. They're not hairy here. They may also be extremely emaciated and are often described as dog-like, probably kind of relating to that association with hyenas and their tendency to crawl on all fours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And though they are generally consider- thought to be pretty emaciated, they may get pretty chonky if they overindulge on the dead. I was just going to say, can you... So say like a pack of these are coming after you. And then there's, like, one trailing in the back. It's had way too much to eat, and he's having the hardest time catching up. And they're just like, Carl, stay back home. We got this. <laughs> that, that is not where I, I saw this this uh, <laughs> tangent going. <laughs> as soon as you said if there's a pack of them coming at you for some reason, I pictured you just grabbing a corpse, a cadaver by the ankles, and <laughs> winging it. <laughs> Frisbee style. <laughs> I mean, you could do that too if they were very hyena like and they'd probably go after it. And just let them get all chonky. Fetch. Anyway, these beings are also extremely strong and have very large, sharp claws. These attributes not only allow them to easily rip through caskets and tear apart bodies, but they also make some pretty good weapons. I wrote handy dandy in my notes, but I didn't want to set you off again, Ash. Oh my god, I found a clue! (laughs) (laughs) Ghouls are said to have very powerful jaws and teeth, which can be used to eat every little piece of a corpse, including the bones, so you definitely wouldn't want to be bitten by one of these things. Wow, what a greedy son of a bitch. You don't need the bones. Get out of here. They're like, we need everything. When will we find another person if they live in the desert? Hey, they're not wasteful. This is true. You don't need the bones, you sick bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Leave them bury something. Well, I mean, this is usually after they're already buried, right? Oh, yeah. That's true. 
You'd probably be able to smell this thing coming long before it came up on you, though. Because thanks to their less-than-hygienic lifestyle of basically living in tombs and underground and eating dead things, they freaking stink. Hey, you can live in a tomb and not smell bad. Just gonna put But can you live in a tomb and eat dead people and not smell bad? That's the question, and I don't have the answer to that. Probably not, because your breath, for one thing, is going to be disgusting. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, if you eat garlic and you smell like a garlic clove for days, what happens when you eat a corpse? <laughs> like, <laughs> You're someone whose dinner party I don't want to go to. That's what the answer to that is. <laughs> but if you get too close, the smell is so bad that it might overpower you, and then you're pretty much SOL. Basically, it's so stinky you'll pass out. Making things a bit tricky, they may also possess magical powers whereby they can assume the memories and appearance of the deceased if they eat parts such as the heart and brain, which allows them to potentially blend into human society. And there are some tales of changeling ghoul children being switched out for human babies. Okay, but how are they going to blend in if they smell really bad? I feel like you're going to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have allergies. I can't breathe 95% of the time. But if something smells really bad, it makes it through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're like, geez, Carl, when was the last time you took a shower? Ugh. Guys, I think Carl sharded again. <laughs> <laughs> I keep washing and washing this baby and it still smells awful. I don't understand. <laughs> You know, I think that might not be your baby. (laughs) According to How Stuff Works, because yes, there is a page on how ghouls work on How Stuff Works, there are four schools of thought regarding how ghouls are created. Creationism, which is basically that they were created along with heaven, hell, etc. Kind of the, you know, they're the babies of Satan. Sure, Satan. Mm -hmm. Causal. Bad people turn after death a lot like a drogger. So if you're a bad person in life, then you become a ghoul after death. Birth. Occasionally, these nasty things will do nastier things and make nasty little babies that apparently stink. Stinky babies. And pathogenic. It's a contagious condition often transferred through a bite. Zombies. Yep. I think we've pretty much covered most of these before. We see this pretty commonly. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess um, mankind isn't very creative at coming up with new ways for things to exist. Well, it could be worse, okay? It could be that thing where how the Yoramaya who reproduces, which oh, I that's hate true. more than anything yeah. I've ever heard. So, uh, that is fair. That is fair. Because that is foul. If you're going to bite me, I guess I have to deal with it. If you're going to eat me and then regurgitate me a bunch of times, no. Yeah. (laughs) Hard pass on that, thank you. Ghouls typically live solitary lives, though they may be found in small groups or communities. While the idea of ghouls may sound far-fetched, there are really countless cases of people who act in ghoulish ways. So warning, this next part is gruesome. Ed Gein, for instance, is infamous for grave robbing, eating bodies, then using the flesh to decorate himself and his home. Similarly, a little over a decade ago, two brothers in Pakistan were found to have been robbing graves and cooking up the corpses for over a year before they were caught. Ugh. Yes. Yep, they ate them. With curry, specifically. 
Well, mm. uh, you know, probably blocks some of the rotten taste, right? Nothing like corpse curry. If it's spicy enough, you're probably not going to taste the rotted yep. meat. Ugh. Is that paprika? This is not paprikash. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the horrific story of Vince Lee, who attacked Tim McLean on a bus in Canada. Oh, yeah. That one. Stabbing him to death, beheading him, then eating his flesh right there on the bus. He has often been associated with uh, Wendigo lore also. Mm-hmm. Al-Rawi notes that many of the original sightings or descriptions of ghouls may have actually arisen as a result of birth defects such as cleft lips or ankylodactylia, which is uh, when your fingers or toes are fused together. So if you've ever seen the lobster boy. Oh, yeah, him, yeah, yeah. These birth defects may have been more common in the Bedouin communities who are, they often married within the same small groups, and mm-hmm. that likely resulted in problems with inbreeding. Like the royals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but even, I mean, except well, I guess maybe know, not smaller communities, but maybe less hemophilia, though. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. These days, ghouls are found all over pop culture, from movies and TV to video games, board games, and books. And there are many cryptids around the world that share similar characteristics, from Crocata and Draugr to Wendigo and Aswang. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from a paper by Ahmed Al-Rawi called The Mythical Ghoul in Arabic Culture, accessed on berkeley.edu. An entry on ghouls on Britannica.com. An article entitled How Ghouls Work on HowStuffWorks.com. An article in The Guardian called Pakistani Brothers Dug Up Corpse and Made It Into Curry. And a page on Mythology.net about ghouls. So what do you think about ghouls? I don't like them. I didn't know that much about ghouls. I'd heard of them and I'd, you know, I'd seen them on like Supernatural and you see them in shows, but... I really didn't know that much about them. They're gross. Yeah. I'm just going to go out on a limb and be like, they're gross. Yep. Yucky. Don't like it. Now I think it's time for a quick coffee break to cleanse our gross palate after that one. We'll be right back with tonight's main course. This episode of Pineapple Pizza Podcast is brought to you by an exciting new podcast called Ohio Hauntings and Legends. You probably listen to our show because you enjoy hearing stories you might not find anywhere else. That's why we think you'll love Ohio Hauntings and Legends. Hosts Damian and Haley will weave tales of haunted locations, campfire stories, supernatural happenings, the unexplained, and legends from all across Ohio's history and 88 counties. Listen as they bring on guests to share their personal experiences at locations like the Franklin Castle, Dent Schoolhouse, Pottstown Elementary School, and the haunted town of Athens, just to name a few. Stay tuned for their podcast promo and be sure to check out the link to their website in the show notes. Remember, believe or not to believe. It's your choice. Hello, kiddies. It is only me, your friendly gravekeeper. And welcome to the Ohio Hauntings and Legends podcast. We will be taking you to places you have never dreamt of. Hundreds, if not thousands, of haunted and abandoned locations. We will visit with the paranormal of your nightmares. Try to understand the unexplained. We will hear some old-time ghost stories that were told around the campfires years ago. Ohio has 88 counties within our state. 
and virtually each one of those counties has a story to tell. Ohio's history is bloodstained throughout its history. There are legends to tell, tales that have gripped towns and cities across Ohio for centuries, that have been told as true events. Many of the forthcoming episodes are real. Others may be hearsay or legend. It is your choice to believe or not. Dim the lights, grab the blanket, and get ready for fear to visit you. We're back. I hope your stomachs are strong enough for this powerful main course. Next up, I'll be serving up the Filipino nightmare known as the Aswang and its close relative, the Mananongal. I have I have I have heard of the Aswang, but I can't remember many th- I'm not, I can't remember a lot about it, but I have heard of it. So I'm mentally preparing myself. Just call me Jon Snow because I know nothing. <laughs> I didn't know much about them either, but I found the Mononongal and was like, this is really cool. And then I realized that it was it was like a derivative of the, of the Aswang. So I felt like I needed to give you a little bit of background of what an Aswang was. And I apologize if I'm doing a terrible job at pronouncing that because it's spelled A-S-W-A-N-G. So it looks like Aswang. It's it's Aswang. Yeah, you're right. Aswang. Yep. I reached out to John. Yeah. From Reddit. Was it Reddit on Wiki now? Yep. Yes. To ask how to pronounce it because I was like, I don't want to do this wrong. Aswang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's because some, some Americans do say Aswang. And I'm like... Of course they do. Have you heard of this creature called the Asswing? They're doing it on... They don't even give a shit. They're just like, it's funny because it's two funny things smushed (laughs) together. That's our sense of humor in America. We're not smart. (laughs) (laughs) It's always the lowest common denominator. (laughs) 182%. We know for sure that the Aswang and some of its derivatives predate the arrival of Spanish conquerors in the 16th century because the Spanish noted upon their arrival that the beast the locals feared most was this creature. Damn fucking conquistadors. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. No Why are idea. they always coming back? <laughs> Unfortunately, the Spanish burned the writings of the indigenous peoples, so we don't know the true beliefs of the people prior to that arrival. Of God they did. damn it. It's the conquistadors, man. They suck. Yep. No offense, Spain. I mean, but you know it's true, probably, I'm assuming. I mean, we're of, what, British and German and European descent, and we know that our people suck, too, and yep. historically. Historically, that was not cool, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> they probably know. <laughs> they, I'm sure they do. The Spanish yep. are, are fairly smart people, and they have cool cultures. So. <laughs> put the qualifier in there. They're fairly smart. <laughs> just like Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> No, no, here's the thing. You can't, it's a whole country. So yeah. you can't just be like, the Spanish yeah. are brilliant because, like, some of them aren't. You just know that yeah. it's true. <laughs> so there's a qualifier because there's a lot of people that live in Spain. Mm-hmm. I don't know what qualifier we'd put in front of America. Sorry, America. No, but you we're, know who you we're, are. We're just pretty dumb. That's. Yeah. <laughs> 
So if you aren't familiar with Aswang, generally speaking, they are flesh-eating, shape-shifting creatures related to demons and witches. These beings, which look totally normal by day, though they may be a bit reclusive during the daytime, are typically female. Of course they are. Of course, right? But at night, they transform into dogs, pigs, birds, humanoids, or other monsters. I mean, shape-shifting, so they kind of take all kinds of forms. Okay, now I kind of want to be one of these, because I wouldn't mind being a dog or a pig. That sounds swell. Well, just wait a minute. (laughs) Put a pin in it. (laughs) I want to be a doggy. (laughs) If they appear feline, they'll either look like your everyday house cat or perhaps as large as a jaguar. While if they appear porcine... They'll just be a really big-ass, angry, dangerous pig. <laughs> Come on, that sounds so cool. <laughs> just wanna, you could be a pig and then you could fuck some shit up. You could be a big pig, too. Oi, oi. <laughs> I do. I would want to be a big pig. In their canine form, they will look like large black dogs with red eyes, and other normal dogs will be so afraid that they'll cower or hide in fear. Oh, that's a bummer. I want to yeah. be that. Okay, I'll be a pig. I'll be a pig. (laughs) (laughs) If they take the form of a bird, they will look like large man-sized vultures or ravens, and they'll be able to fly low and slow even when there's no wind. Man-sized ravens? Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. This takes me back to thinking about um, the original sightings of Mothman, where they were like, it looked like a dude with wings jumping from tree to tree. Yeah, like the giant sandhill crane type of thing. God. Mm -hmm. That has to be a massive wingspan. How the fuck? That's so much mass. Yeah. Their humanoid form might be the most terrifying, though. In this form, they are bipedal, but they often crawl on all fours like the ghouls. Why? I know. It's so gross. I hate it. Stop doing that. God. (laughs) They are extremely thin or emaciated, so they can hide behind bamboo posts. That's how thin they are. Okay. But then, no, come on. (laughs) No one can hide behind a bamboo (laughs) Well, these guys can. They may be covered in coarse black hair that's almost porcupine-like. Or, if you see their skin, it might be a mottled ashen gray that may be covered in oil, sores, and boils. Gross. Yeah, it's nasty. They are described as smelling absolutely terrible, like rotting flesh or meat, and they are often clothed in tattered rags and possessed of milky white, emotionless eyes. Gross. Quit it. God. So it just, I picture this almost, this pale, pale gray, blotchy thing covered in sores that's so thin, you can see every bone, and it's got those milky white eyes in it freaking reeks. I don't like it. It's like a big fucking golem with boils and oh. No thanks. No. No, 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 no. Unsurprisingly, they also possess magical or superhuman abilities such as superhuman strength at night, the ability to jump more than 15 feet high, and some creepy and misleading vocal tricks. So if it sounds like an Aswang is close by, it's actually far away from you. But if it sounds like it's really far in the distance, then you need to be scared because it's close by. Okay, that sounds really cool still, though. Come on. I would love to be able to jump more than 15 feet. That'd and be the so ability cool. to throw your voice. Yeah. 
Oh, I want those powers, please. Marco. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. You just decide you're gonna like hammer throw a statue. <laughs> <laughs> Their weirdest magical power is the ability to not only shapeshift themselves, but also shapeshift plant material. So they can change it into a doppelganger of a victim to hide their feeding activity. Mm. Okay. These can be used to replace corpses, but also living people. So the planty doppelganger will go to the victim's home, where it will quickly become ill and die, hopefully kind of throwing suspicion off of the Oswang. So if the Oswang's been by the house at night, it's stolen somebody, it's taken its victim, and it's sent the planty doppelganger to replace them. So that people won't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Okay, I can't stop now. <laughs> but perhaps the most important and terrifying feature of this being is its tongue. It is said to have a very long, prehensile or proboscis-like tongue. It's venom. So basically it can act like a hand, and it's hollow and sharp like a pointy straw. And it uses this to feed on corpses, small children, or the infirm. But its favorite meals are livers, hearts, blood, entrails, and what do you think's the worst? The butt? <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope, it's not butt. It's worse. Eyeballs. 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 Its favorite food is a fetus. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Oh. That's not where I saw this going. I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it would suck out eyeballs. (laughs) Come on, that's really gross and horrifying. That's a good... It uses eyeball jelly on its peanut butter sandwiches. I mean, it might not be as good of an answer as the butt. (laughs) That's a a pretty good guess. (laughs) That's why I'm here. Keeping it logical. That was the next step of what could be most horrible. It's going to be the butt. (laughs) Well, you already said entrails, so we're running out of choices. So we went to different ends of the butt. What's at the back end of the entrails? (laughs) Totally opposite ends of the body. Eyes! The butt! (laughs) This thing is going to lay prone on people's rooftops where it will wait for them to fall asleep. So it's gonna be all out there like what? Just laying there on the roof. For some reason I thought you were gonna say something about laying eggs. Me too! Me too! (laughs) And then I had that scene from Parks and Rec where the possum's in the house and they're like, I think you laid eggs in the bed. (laughs) Nope, it's not gonna lay any eggs. It's gonna lay on the roof. It waits for people to fall asleep. (laughs) But it could lay eggs. (laughs) An egg does come into play a little bit later. Yes. Okay. So once people fall asleep, then what it's going to do is it's going to send down its tongue. So it it looks for... It's going to sneak into the house, send its tongue down in, and then it's going to suck all the goodies out of its victims in the dark of night. Because what better time, right? But if it can't get fresh meat, it will go and dig up corpses for a meal. So this thing reminds me a lot of the ghouls. Mm-hmm. 
you might be wondering how the heck an oswang comes to be. What makes an oswang? An egg. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. (laughs) You, sir, are jumping ahead in my notes. (laughs) What? When a mommy oswang? Love each other very much. They get a visit from a stork and he brings an egg. <laughs> a chicken egg to be specific. Ooh. So so there are a few there are a few different ways um, to become one and, and they're all really messed up. The first is for a human person to tie the fertilized egg of a black chicken to their stomach. So how you accomplish that, I'm not really sure without crushing it, but so you would tie the fertilized egg to your stomach. At some point, the chick essentially translocates from the egg into the person's stomach. And it makes me think of like that scene in The Matrix when they suck that thing out through his belly button, but in reverse. Oh, like, I hate shoot. that. Yeah. Oh, no. No, no. I hate that scene so much. I don't so- look when that's on. I'm always, I do this. <laughs> I cover my eyes. So the chicken goes into the person basically through osmosis? Yep. I, there, there's no explanation about how it's done, but the black chick ends up inside of the stomach of the person becoming an oswang. Just packs its way in there. <laughs> <laughs> Once that is done and out of the way, the empty eggshell must be buried in a bamboo tube with coconut oil and chicken poop. What is it with people and coconut oil? Some of us have allergies. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then I guess you're not becoming an Oswan, huh? Damn it. <laughs> At least not by this method. <laughs> That's true. I tied this egg to my stomach for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so once you've buried the the poop, coconut oil, eggshell-filled bamboo tube, then you're an Oswan, and now you'll begin to crave human flesh. So this, this whole process may symbolize the willingness to eat the unborn because the unborn chick ends up in the stomach much like the unborn fetuses will later, right? All right. Still gross. Oh, yeah. Very gross. Another possible origin is for a dying Aswang to transmit power to someone else by getting uncomfortably close and personal. So they pretty much have to do like a, a reverse Dementor's kiss in which... The black chick comes up from the stomach of the dying Oswang into their mouth. <laughs> I wrote that it does a hop, skip, and a jump into the mouth of the other person, but I just see it, like, shooting into the other mouth. It just gets on the tongue and does, like, an Olympic dive into <laughs> yes. the other person's mouth. Your esophagus just becomes a pneumatic tube. <laughs> just, like, shoots out at the end. And then they scurry across like hamsters. Whoa, I can see that and I hate it. <laughs> Little hamster claws on it. Oh, gross. And now I'm thinking of that the episode of uh, South Park where they had the hamsters in their butts. Oh, oh the, ger- yeah. the gerbils. The They're gerbils. Because Richard Gere. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, so they transfer the chick from one person's mouth to the other. So they puke it into the other person's mouth because who doesn't love secondhand chicken magic? Am I right? Me. I don't <laughs> love it. <laughs> Not a fan. So it's said that the Aswan cannot truly die until its power is passed along. So it's going to have to do this at some point. Otherwise, it can't die. 
finally, Mysterious Universe said that like ghouls, vampires, and werewolves, they may be created through an infectious bite. Unfortunately, this process does not appear to be reversible. If the Oswang bites but doesn't kill its victim, the person will start to crave human flesh and experience uncontrollable mood swings and violent rage, a lot like Zach Baggins. Aaron! Basically ever. <laughs> <laughs> so then their skin will decay, and they'll begin to look and smell dead. Really gross. I don't want that. Mm-mm. You know, you're not going to win America's Next Top Model that way for sure. But you'll be skinny enough to win it. That's true. Because <laughs> I was totally going to win otherwise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now here's the important part. How can you protect yourself from or kill an Aswang? Have no chickens. Eliminate all chickens. Um, that would also kill me because, like, a huge percentage of my diet is chicken-based. I like eggs. I like chicken. Please don't do this to me. River's upset, too. She's like, not the chickens. She's like, don't kill my mama. So if you're going to try to protect yourself, they're, they're, there's a pretty simple way to identify them during the day. They smell. <laughs> <laughs> they're covered in boils. <laughs> well, during the day, they, they appear normal, right? They're okay. totally normal, but just kind of reclusive. All you have to do is basically just look them square in the eye, make eye contact. Their eyes should be super bloodshot since they're up all night long. Uh-oh. And your reflection should re- should appear upside down in their eyes. Okay, I'm glad you added the second part because before that I was like, I'm gonna get killed. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes are often bloodshot and it's not because I did anything. To try and see yourself in the reflection of their eye, aren't you gonna be uncomfortably close to this person? Yes, but it is during the day, and during the day, they're in their weakest form. They're trying to blend in during the day. They don't want to raise suspicions. But why would you want to get so close to people? I just want to make sure you're not an Aswang. <laughs> <laughs> Let me breathe real heavily on you. <sighs> <sighs> Are you an Aswang? You smell too good. Aside from breathing in their faces so that you can check out their eyeballs, you can also detect them by carrying around albularios oil. I'm hoping I said that. Albularios oil, which is just a special oil made by herbalist healers, and it's made from coconuts and holy plants, and this stuff is said to boil whenever an aswang is near. Coconut oil again, right? So do you just, like, carry it in a vial and then, like... If it starts boiling on its own, you're like, oh. Or you can uh, get one of those bottles and you just carry it out in front of you and you're like, huh, 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 huh. But then it sneaks up on you from behind and you accidentally punch someone that's in front of you. Because <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> like European vampires, they also hate garlic and religious artifacts. So carry around garlic and a cross. Although, to be fair, if you were shoving a cross in my face, I'd be like, too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say both of those things would repel me, so. Oh, I love garlic. Mm-mm, I'll eat that Nope, shit. don't want it. Don't need it. No. <laughs> you would get along royally well with the Queen of England. 
No, I wouldn't. She refuses to allow garlic in the palace. Yeah, but she also likes when people know all of their palace decorum, and I definitely don't. I'd just sneak in and play with her corgis. I'm... I would also like to play with the corgis. It's easiest to detect and kill an Oswang during the day when they're in their weakest form. But how do you kill them? To kill them, you need to either decapitate them or strike them with a whip. What do you think it's made from? A human spine. (laughs) (laughs) Chicken bones. It's not the Doolahan. That's a good guess, but no. I don't know how well that would work. A stingray's tail. That's weird. I just happen to have one of those lying around. (laughs) It's just going to be easier to decapitate it. Let's go. (laughs) Please don't just go out and start killing people just at at random. If you suspect them of being of Oswang, don't just go out and decapitate people. It's it's not going to... You need some harder proof besides the dislike of garlic or religion because, you know, I'd be screwed. Ashley would definitely be screwed. Please don't hit us <laughs> with the stingray whip. Actually, I would prefer that they do that than they decapitate me. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Because I'll survive that. Uh, decapitation. That's harder <laughs> to overcome. <laughs> we need that monk to come by and put you back together. Put my head say, back on. <laughs> unless you're in a Grimm's fairy tale, in which case just put it back on and you're fine. You're good to go. Get out of here, you dumb kid. <laughs> <laughs> there are many potential natural explanations for the origins of these beings. They could be inspired by nocturnal birds. This theory is supported by the names and descriptions of other Oswang relatives, such as the Tick Tick and Wok Wok, which are named for the sounds they make as they fly. They also could be inspired by bats, Tasmanian devils, or possibly the Kawang, commonly known as the flying lemur, which is... um. Funny enough, not a lemur, and it can't fly. So that's a little bit of a misnomer. It is really cute. It's this cute nocturnal creature. kind of looks like a cross between a squirrel and a bat. Their faces are freaking adorable. Ashley, you would love them, I'm sure. Lindsay, I want one right now. I want one. I want to I pet it right now. I want to hold it and feed it a giant banana. I'm going to Google it. Oh my god, I freaking love oh, it. Look Come at be him. my friend. Look Aren't they adorable? You're you so cute. They're so cute. Oh my gosh, I love you. So they're possibly uh, what inspired, or partially what inspired the Oswang. The Oswang may also have arisen as a way to explain the loss of unborn or small children, or to pass the blame for murders and unusual deaths. There's also a theory that a rare genetic defect uh, may have links to the creature. X-linked dystonia parkinsonis... Parkinson... Parkinson... I don't know. X-linked dystonia parkinsonism... No, parkinsonism. (laughs) I'm sorry. Whoever suffers from this, I cannot say it. It's also known as XDP, so that's what we're going to stick with. Cinnaminum. I know. (laughs) Parkinsonism. Anyway, XDP is an X-chromosome-linked disease that causes some pretty severe body spasms. It primarily affects males, which certainly might uh, dispel the notion that it's origin uh, that it's the origin for the Oswang because those are primarily considered to be female. However, the OswangProject.com states that 93% of the world's cases are found on Panay Island. 
And of those, 63% are in Capiz, which is where more sightings of Aswang occur than anywhere else in the Philippines. Hmm. So the sightings of the Aswang are in this one location that has the highest population or the concentration of this disease. So they think there might be a potential link between that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It, I mean, it's possible. A close relative and potential subspecies, a subspecies of the Aswang is the Mananangal, whose name means to remove or separate. This is going to be fun. This honestly is one of the scariest beings I've ever covered, so buckle up because it's wicked gross. Because they are related to the Aswang, they share many traits, but the ways in which they differ are truly nightmare-inducing. Unlike other Aswang that might remain largely unsociable during the daylight hours, Mananangal are openly social and may even have a family, so they'll appear really normal. They're also often described as being very beautiful women in their daylight form. At night, however, they will go to secluded or hidden locations like deep in the brush or banana groves, hidden in a closet, or tucked under covers. And there, they will cover their body in oils. Then they will begin to grow gigantic bat-like wings, sharp teeth, wide eyes, wild hair, and that long proboscis-like tongue, and they will emit tiny shrieking sounds as they transform. I mean, if that was happening to me, I'd probably make shrieking sounds too, but... But I don't think you would, you would, well, you would definitely shriek for this next part. Eventually their torso will separate from their lower body and begin to fly about, trailing dangling intestines as it leaves its legs behind. <laughs> oh, this is the one that I remember. Yep, this is the one that I remember. But they're like, they're like creepy corpse kites. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you are very much creepy corpse kites. Oh my god. We need a shirt that says Mononongo creepy corpse kite. <laughs> I am only hearing Chandler Bing saying, his legs flail about as if independent from his body in my head right now. <laughs> That's a cool kite. Where'd you get it? <laughs> I went to the Philippines. <laughs> Nifty souvenir. So these will fly around until they find a victim. Like their relative, they will lay on top of a roof and they'll look for or create what is known as a lick hole. Ugh. Gross don't like that which they can stick their long tongue through <laughs> so they'll stick their tongue in a lick hole <laughs> it's hard <laughs> not to laugh at that I'm sorry Philippines so then they'll they'll send their tongue which is like thread like and down and it'll enter the body through the ears nose mouth or abdomen so they stick it in and then they suck it out they are known to suck up phlegm from the sick. I don't know why that's almost grosser to me than eating a dead body. I mean, are they only taking the phlegm? Because no. that's... Okay. There's more to it. Phlegm from the sick. They will eat livers, hearts, and fetuses. But these beings won't just eat the fetus from a woman's womb. They will also suck out her organs. So they basically hollow her out. Chupacabra! Yeah, it's gross. Mononongal play the same vocal mind tricks as the Aswang, where if they sound close, then they're really far away, and vice versa. 
but they also might be accompanied by a tick-tick bird, which may alert people to the potential threat because that's the bird that kind of makes that tick-tick sound. Mm -hmm. Victims of the Mononongle are often left with deformed faces or bodies. Yeah, if it sucks out all your guts or if it sticks it up your nose, like that's going to deform your face for sure. I mean, it's sucking out chunks of you. So, yeah, it'll mess you up. These beings also originate through the ingestion of that black chick, but the chick then eats the entrails of the person who swallows it while also keeping the person alive. Unlike the Oswang, however, there is the potential of curing a mononongle, but it requires the removal of the black chick from the stomach. Okay, but if it ate your entrails, won't you just die? Yeah, right? I don't want that too, but... You don't need those. I mean, I feel like I do need them, though. <laughs> it didn't specify, but maybe they do this at the early stages of becoming a mononongle. I'd love to be, like, way less, but I think I kind of need my entrails. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think they get the chick out of you? They suck it out. Through your belly That's button. That's not a bad guess. This can be done by either hanging the woman upside down from a tree, then beating and fumigating her. Cool, so we're gonna die, for sure. (laughs) Or by violently swinging her until she pukes the bird up. Gross. Either way, mission accomplished. Yeah. I like my way better. (laughs) It sounds less horribly painful. I would have to agree. If you really don't want to get that close to one, though, you can deter them from coming into your home by leaving out pots of uncooked rice or by sprinkling ash or salt and spices around your home. Well, that's easy, at least. Yeah. So you can keep them away. On the other hand, if you're determined to kill a mononongle, you can do that by preventing its two halves from uh, rejoining before daylight. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna take your legs! I don't know why that's so funny, but it is. (laughs) The first part here is either by hiding the lower half. (laughs) Could you imagine just seeing somebody trying to sneak away with a pair of legs? Like, I just picture someone carrying like the bottom half of a mannequin and like running. Yes, through the street. (laughs) Or you can sprinkle the the lower half with ashes, vinegar, salt, or spices. Once dawn comes. It'll be kind of like the Sanderson sisters and Hocus Pocus, and it's just poof, it's dead, it can't live. Um, or you can keep it simple and just stab the torso in the back with a sharpened bamboo stick or spear. So, you know. PBS's Monstrum posits that belief in these creatures may have changed architectural and so- social norms. Now, many of the roofs are so pitched it would prevent things from lying on top of them. And it is common for children to sleep in the middle of the room or between parents, potentially protecting them from both child-eating beasts, the Mononongle and the Oswang, and the other Oswang derivatives. The, the episode of Monstrum dives a little deeper into how the Mononongle may have gained popularity following the arrival of the Spanish and Christianity, because it really drastically changed the social system of the native people. So if you want to learn a little bit more about that, which was really cool, I recommend going out and checking out the link that I'll put in the show notes. Uh, I think it's definitely worth knowing what happened and how that really changed the way the the Philippines viewed the, the women and their role in society. Because as you can imagine, the Spanish changed that just a little bit. What? Yeah. 
Cornell College News suggests that these beings may be inspired by flying foxes. We know what those are. We've talked about those Mm -hmm. uh, in India. A specific species of large bat common to Southeast Asia, whose distribution throughout the region is the same as that of the Mononongal. Personally, though, I think in this case, the social structure and changes probably played a bigger role in its creation. I think what Monstrum was talking about, and if you really sat and you looked and watched what they were talking about, it would make a lot more sense than just thinking it's a bat. Both the Oswang and the Mononongal are found in pop culture and literature. Oswang is the more popular of the two, and it has appeared in shows such as Grimm and Supernatural. However, Mononongle seems to be gaining in popularity, probably because it's a flying torso. It's pretty gross. Mm-hmm. So we may start hearing more about this scary being. Ingredients for this dish were sourced from two articles on Mysterious Univore... Nope. Univorse? Univorse. Mysterious Universe, called Beware of the Deadly Oswang, and the Oswang may be the most terrifying monster of all. An entry on mythology.net about the Oswang, two pages on the oswangproject.com titled What is an Oswang and Oswang in Capiz? An article on thoughtcatalog.com titled 17 Facts About the Mononongle. I don't know if you can really call it a fact about a thing that we don't know is real, but okay. A vampiric cannibalistic woman. Uh, an episode of PBS's Monstrum called Mononongle, a flying disembodied blood-sucking nightmare. An article on Cornell College News called Halloween Superstitions and Flying Foxes. And a page on philippinetales.com titled Mononongle the Viscera Sucker. And that is the Asung and the Mononongle for you. Yummy. That's quite a dish, isn't it? Oh, I want to go fly a kite. (laughs) Let's go fly a corpse and send it. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Can't do that. (laughs) Nope. Nope. It's time for one more quick break before we serve up tonight's devilish dessert. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you are stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. I've had their rapid stir-fried beef before with broccoli, and it is amazing. Once you taste it, it's like you're actually eating something from a professional Chinese restaurant. And that's something that I never thought I'd be able to do, even though I think I'm an okay cook. But HelloFresh makes it so simple to take these meals that you would normally get in a restaurant and make it at home. I personally have never tried HelloFresh, but I found that it's been really difficult lately for me between trying to complete writing my thesis and taking care of my kids to get a good healthy dinner on the table in a timely manner where we can all sit around and have dinner together as a family. So I'm definitely giving HelloFresh a try. I just ordered the one-pan cheesy black bean tacos and the sun-dried tomato spaghetti meals, and I'm really excited to give these a try and sit down and get to eat them with my family. I'm looking forward to having easy meals that are both healthy and delicious, especially with kids. That's always the struggle. So if you want to get in on this too, make sure you check out the link in our show notes because HelloFresh is offering our listeners $80 off, including free shipping. That's $80 off on the number one meal kit. Be sure to go check out that link in our show notes. 
We're back and ready for a dessert straight from the Orkney and Shetland archipelagos. If you don't recall, an archipelago is a group of islands, and these two groups lie off the northeast coast of Scotland, so they're kind of between Scotland and Norway, which plays a little bit of a role that's important. Here, a fearsome solitary demon known as the Nukalavee, or Mukalavee, is said to roam. Like the Aswang of the Philippines, this was historically the most feared being of the region. So much so that people wouldn't even speak its name without immediately following it with a prayer for protection. Hmm. Yeah, like, people really were afraid of this thing. Its name appears to be a perversion of the Orkney word Nogglevy, which is said to mean devil of the sea, and the Scottish word Nogal, which is any water spirit appearing in the form of a horse. So this is going to be pretty reminiscent of the, the Doolahan, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have a sea devil and a water horse, but what does this thing really look like? Let me just say before I describe it that, thank goodness there's only one of these things. It's not a whole population, so they don't reproduce. There's only one in existence, which is unusual for cryptids. Typically, you think that they reproduce, but this guy, they know it's one and done. Hmm. The demon which makes its home in the sea in an unknown form strikes a most terrifying figure on land. It is described as the torso of a human fused to a horse's body, like in the middle of its back, almost like it's riding the horse, though sometimes it's described more as a centaur form or as a rider separate from the horse. But it's typically that fused vision. Okay. It gets worse. The head, which only has a single burning red eye is massively large, described as 10 times the size of a normal human's, and it rolls from side to side as though it might fall off of the shoulders, just like roll right off. Big rolling head. Its mouth is either a gaping whale-like maw, so this huge, just open mouth, or large, enormously wide, and protruding like the snout of a pig. It has incredibly long arms ending in long, knobby, clawed fingers that are half the length of a man's calf, which Hmm. may drag across the ground as it walks. So its arms, you've got the torso sitting on the horse's back and the arms are so long that they're dragging the ground. The equine half of the demon has legs with fin-like flippers on them, which is kind of funny. And a head with a muzzle that is beak-like. And this mouth is filled with sharp, knife-like teeth, and it breathes a foul and deadly sulfurous breath. But the most disturbing part of its appearance is its complete lack of skin. Oh. No. No. Put some skin on. No. (laughs) (laughs) You forgot to get dressed. Go back to your room. I don't want to see your musculature, sir. Put on some flesh. It is raw, red flesh, as though it has been flayed, through which can be seen yellow veins filled with a thick black blood that you can see coursing through the veins. No. And its thick white sinews can be seen to stretch and contract as it moves. Does that include the horse? Like, does the horse have skin? No, the whole thing is completely skinless. Why does it have skin? I hate this. (laughs) (laughs) Pretend it's wearing a onesie. I can still see all the things. I don't want to. (laughs) 
It is wearing a big, like, a pajama onesie that covers everything. Striped pajama onesie. And it's got, like, Better. a little butt flap. Yes. So it makes it cute. <laughs> and there's a smiley face on the butt flap. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like Rabbit drew on Winnie the Pooh's butt when he got stuck in the hole. <laughs> yeah. It's better now. I like it better now, but I still hate it. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so this creature is extremely dangerous and considered to be entirely malevolent. There are no redeeming qualities about it. Its sole purpose is death and destruction, like a horseman of the apocalypse. It was said to control mildew and salty sea air, and it was blamed for nearly every misfortune that befell the people of the region. From crop blights to droughts, animal mutilations, and deaths to human epidemics, the Nukala V was the cause of all of it. One such epidemic, known as Mortachine, swept through the horse population of the island of Stronsay. Here, the people burned seaweed to make kelp, which at that time was a term for soda ash made from burning the seaweed. Now we think all seaweed is kelp and related, but back then that was a specific term. Apparently, the smell of the burning seaweed infuriates the Nukla V, so when they began this practice, it caused an epidemic of horse flu to blight the island, and then it spread to other islands, and it caused quite a bit of death among the horse population. That's sad. And it's sad. Luckily, the Nukla V isn't a threat all year round. During the summer months, the mother of the sea keeps it in check, so when weather is nice, you're fine. Come winter, though, it roams freely across the land unless it rains. It hates fresh water. So you should definitely pray for those winter rains. Uh, It also cannot uh, be in fresh water, and it can't cross it, so it can't even touch the stuff. If you ever happen to be in that region during winter months and cross the path of the Nukala V, your best bet for safety is to find fresh water and do it fast because you're unlikely to outrun this thing. And you definitely want to keep your distance since its terrible breath can kill you from 20 feet away. Question. Hmm. If you bought a hula hoop and put fresh water in the hula hoop and walked everywhere doing a hula hoop thing, could it attack you then? Yeah, because it's it seems like it's the fresh water can't touch it. It can't touch the fresh water. Damn it. So <laughs> that wouldn't work. Um, but you could buy one of those Halloween costumes where you're essentially in the shower and then just load it up with a water pack and rain on yourself. So rain on your own parade and you're good. Isn't snow made from fresh water? Yeah, but I mean, don't ask me. I didn't write the legend. <laughs> I'm just saying. Apparently it's just rain. Rain and streams. Like, if you get into a stream or you get into a pond, it can't reach you there. Water balloons. Carry them everywhere. Yes, that's a really good idea. Perfect. Super soaker. There you go. <laughs> you st- you foiled my hula hoop idea, so now <laughs> think of, like, 15 others. <laughs> have, have you guys seen the, the Fear Street series on Netflix yet? No. No. No? Okay, so they use super soakers filled with blood to distract the the evil things because they go after this blood. Mm. So that kind of makes me think of that. But with fresh water and, you know, less gory. Anyway, that one didn't land. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this water horse demon may be an amalgamation of a few possible things. Many websites speculated that it resulted from a blending of Celtic beliefs in malevolent water beings such as uh, the Kelpie with Norse beliefs. PBS's Monstrum posited that it could be solely inspired by Nordic mythology. 
they noted that Odin rides an eight-legged horse named uh, Sleipnir. So he rides this through the air and across the sea, and he travels on this horse to Hell, where he meets the goddess Hell. Hell is known to ride a three-legged horse during times of pestilence and disease, so they think uh, that it might have been they just kind of stuck these two horses together and created some really, truly perfect thing. And personally, I think that this makes a lot of sense because Vikings arrived on those islands in the 8th century and the region didn't officially become absorbed by Scotland until the 15th century. So there's a 700-year period during which that local culture blended with the, the culture of the invading Vikings. Makes sense. It's a good amount of time. Regardless, this continued to be a creature to be feared for centuries to follow. So even after Scotland, after this became part of Scotland, people were still afraid of this. So I couldn't find anything about this being inspired by any real animals. Not surprising. It appears to be more mythology than cryptid necessarily, but it was pretty creepy and I wanted to include it. And there's really nothing in pop culture. So ingredients for this dish were sourced from a page on the orkneyjar.com titled The Knuckle of E, Devil of the Sea. An article on Medium.com titled Mystic Britain, Knuckle of E, Devil of the Sea. An AMSHnewspaper.com article titled Mythical Monsters, The Knuckle of E. An episode of PBS's Monstrum titled Knuckle of E, Scotland's Skinless Evil Monstrosity. A page on HistoricUK.com on the history of Orkney and Shetland. And an 1891 journal article by William Dennison titled Orkney Folklore Sea Myths, published in the Scottish Antiquary or Northern Notes and Queries, Volume 5, Number 19, accessed on jstore.org. So that was your delicious dessert. Nommy, nommy. Nom, 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 nom. You're ruining dessert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ash, dessert's really not supposed to make you puke, so... <laughs> yeah. I think I think I failed dessert, but hopefully our patrons enjoyed. You never know; everybody's got a different taste, right? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on the the creatures that we discussed tonight before we go into something chilling? They were horrible, and I did not like them. I do want to make a shirt about the kite thing. <laughs> that one was funny with the um, mononongle. Yes, that one was funny. Oh, God. Can we find a torso with trailing entrails? Trailing entrails. And the entrails are like the the tail of the kite. (laughs) I don't think Ashley's about that one. (laughs) I don't think you'll find that in Canva. (laughs) I I hated these. I hated them. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Ashley's like, next Halloween, we're doing happy creatures. Next Halloween, I get to pick what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, does anybody have anything chilling that they would like to share? Something spooky or weird? I can go first, if you would like. Sure. I have a short one. It's just a short one, but it was something weird that happened to me that I thought was really cool. So my mom had always told me about orbs and, you know, you hear about them in TV shows, ghost hunting, and I always thought, Honestly, I thought orbs were a lot of bullpucky. Mm-hmm. Didn't believe in them at all. I thought, you know, that's just light flares or whatever. And my mom said she'd experienced them. And I was like, sure. Okay, mom, whatever. But was it last year, just before COVID hit, I was um, staying in a motel to attend my courses. 
And one night I'm sitting there, I have my computer on my laptop and I'm just working away on whatever I'm doing, probably something for a podcast, knowing me. And I see all of a sudden directly above my computer, this bright, perfectly white ball of light that was probably about the size of like a ping pong ball. Okay. And it was just this perfect little sphere and it kind of came in to my view and then went across the top of my computer. So it's right in front of my face. I'm looking Ugh. right at this thing. And then it just kind of dissipates and it was gone. And that was it. So I, I was like, okay, so orbs are a thing. It was weird, but cool. So I thought I thought of another creepy thing that happened. And I'll do one that isn't like super scary. So when I was growing up, my grandmother used to give me like the holiday collector Barbies. Mm-hmm. And... When we were living in our house in Hornick, um, I had a shelf that was like kind of really high up on the wall and I would display all the different like holiday Barbies that I had. And I had the spirit of a little girl that would appear in my bedroom at night. I'm assuming looking back on it that she was around I don't know, five years old. And she had like long curly blonde hair and she had a white dress. And I remember she had really shiny black Mary Jane shoes. Like that was something that like always stuck out at me. So like a little kid, picture a little kid going to church in their Sunday best. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what I pictured. And there were many nights where I would like wake up because I feel like a cold chill or something. And I would roll over and she'd be sitting on the floor looking up at the Barbies. Like she really wanted to play with them. Aww. Um, And then there was one night where I was like fast asleep. And then all of a sudden I heard a really loud like thap, like something like smacked the floor because I had wood floors. Mm-hmm. So I shot up in bed and one of the Barbies had fallen on the floor, like face down. These things were like five feet up in the air and push flush against the wall. So there's no way they could have moved on their own and fallen onto the floor. So I was like, okay, that's terrifying. And then I just went back to bed. (laughs) And then the next morning, because I was probably like, I don't know, nine, (laughs) ten at this point. Um, And the next morning when I woke up, it was like standing upright instead of mm-hmm. face down. Ew. Um, and I remember after that, I didn't see her for a while. And I think when I put it back on the shelf, I said something like, it's okay. I know you didn't mean to do it. It's fine. Like nothing happened to it. Um, but years later, the plastic, like the protective plastic on the outside of the case Mm-hmm. The one that fell over, it started to yellow and crack right where it, as if someone had touched it. And that was the Ooh, only weird. one of the four that I had where that happened. That's weird. Yeah. I, I like how uh, your reaction to that's creepy is to basically roll over and go back to sleep. Well, because my thing was, if I'm not looking at it, then it's not looking at me. 
Like that was like the whole like mentality I did. Like if I can't see it, it can't see me and I'm okay if I look at the wall. So that was like my thing. Cause I was a dumb kid, but <laughs> she just wanted a toy. Yeah. She just wanted to play with them. I mean, they were really pretty, like, especially the one that she knocked over was, uh, I want to say that was uh, 1989 holiday Barbie. And she was wearing mm-hmm. like this really beautiful white dress that had like the, the fluffy, like um, ruffled neck, rough wool. Um, like, like a, think of a furry coat oh, type okay. thing. Had she had like a muff? Aww. I'll find a picture of it. It was really pretty. So of all the ones to knock down, like that's the one that made the most sense for her to knock down. Cause it was very pretty, but yeah, I just thought it was weird that that was the only one where like it had the outside had discolored and stuff as if someone had like grabbed it. That's a cool experience. Mm hmm. Ashley, are you feeling like you want to share something good instead of something spooky? I know you don't have a whole bunch <laughs> of spooky stories to begin with. Well, this, the only story I thought of isn't really so much spooky as it was a dick thing to do, but it's... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, so, I'm so here for it. <laughs> so it's come up before that I'm the only one of us that's a, yo- a younger sibling. Mm-hmm. So I have an older sister, and when we were kids, she used to like to pretty much torture me in, like, any way that she could think of. And I don't sleep well to begin with. I think we've also touched on the fact that I have really vivid nightmares, but if we haven't, I do. Um, So she used to like to tell me scary stories when we shared a bedroom when I would be, like, trying to go to sleep at night. So one night, she had told me this particularly horrifying one, which, of course, I've, like, completely blocked from my memory and don't, (laughs) I don't remember, like, anything about it anymore. But I went to bed that night and had, like, a series of really awful nightmares and kept waking up, you know, the whole covered in a cold sweat, like, heart pounding really hard, and then it takes forever for you to fall back to sleep. And it it happened probably, like, three or four times. Ugh, those are the worst. Yeah, and the last time that it happened, I, I must have, like, made enough noise when I, like, sat up and, like, gasped that I woke her up. And she looked over toward my bed and said my name and i was like if you ever tell me another story like that again i will kill you (laughs) (laughs) and then i laid down and went back to sleep and like two days later like she didn't really talk to me for like a couple of days so like two or three days later um she was like hey um i need to talk to you about the other night and i was like what about it Like, it was awful. It sucked. Thanks. She was like, yeah, um, I don't know if you remember this, but at one point you told me that you were going to kill me if I ever said anything like that to you ever again. And I was like, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. And I just let her think that I said that in my sleep because it (laughs) freaked her the fuck out. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I didn't tell her the truth for like another 10 years. So that's awesome. Eat that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, 
obviously like things change you know when you're little kids i feel like a mm-hmm. lot of siblings are not very nice to each other and we we really just weren't very nice to each other when we were little kids so i know i sound like an a-hole to everyone out there who's like why'd you do that to your sister well why'd she tell me a bunch of horrifying stories when i'm trying to sleep yeah whatever boys beat up on each other all the time brothers beat up on each other hard yeah my dad literally knocked his <laughs> brother out with a rock so <laughs> oh jesus yeah. they were throwing snowballs and he hit a rock and a snowball oh, and knocked his brother out shit. cold that's so messed <laughs> up yeah i know we would hit each other too but like we're just smarter about it than most like than a I don't want to say than most boys or most children. I don't really know what to say. But the smart way to do it, by the way, if someone out there wants to give their kid tips, is <laughs> <laughs> like if if your sibling does something really messed up to you or they hit you, don't hit them back. Because whoever throws the second hit, that's the one that's getting caught because yep. you've now made enough noise that the parent is coming. So if they do something really messed up to you, just cry. And then later, just wait. Just wait it out like a panther. (laughs) (laughs) And then then when they least suspect it, just whack them out of nowhere. And you'll totally get away with it. I did that to Joel. (laughs) (laughs) He got me really hard. I can't remember. Like he hit me or something. We were goofing around. He thought it'd be funny, so he gave me a real good smack on the butt or something. I was like, oh, just you wait. And then I waited and waited, and it was like right as we were falling asleep, and I cracked him real hard across the chest. He was like, what the fuck was that for? <laughs> I was like, payback, bitch. <laughs> I told you I was going to get you. <laughs> psychological warfare man and also you're not getting you're not getting punished whatever your punishment is because like you're not getting caught yep it's ingenious all right before we close up the restaurant for the night i would like to read a review from a very satisfied patron this one is coming from the grand high witch and she says well i don't know if it's a she the grand high witch says pure entertainment such a fun show Every episode, I feel like I'm with the girls, hanging out and laughing along the way. I always learn something new and always leave feeling uplifted and bright, except for these Halloween episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect place for comedy and great storytelling. Thank you very much, Grand High Witch. I'm assuming they didn't get to my my chili episode yet. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not when they wrote that review. (laughs) In Vunche. Nothing uplifting about that episode. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> but it was good and spooky. Well, I think it's about time to close up the restaurant for the night. So thank you very much for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a slice of truly horrifying Halloween cryptids. Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Spooky and chilling. Not everyone understands our ghoulishness, but we're glad that you do? Question mark? <laughs> If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tee Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice, because we can never get enough of basically anything, if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, 
$7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PineAppPizzaPod. That's PineAppAppPizzaPod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at pineappappizzapod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels, and just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.